Hey and welcome to the 35th Big 3-5 episode of the Unsigned Manager Podcast. Damn, 35 is a lot of episodes, you know. Rah. I'm out here. Anyway, um, my name is Siji Kolawale and each week I talk about football's biggest headlines, stories and events from both the past and the present. But more often than not, I kind of just talk about what I'm feeling about, about football. And this week's episode... I want to go into some of my old favourites, the, the things that that keep you coming back to football when it's going bad, the, the players that, that give the feel back. So let's get into the episode. Nothing is more comforting than having an old favourite. No matter what's going on in the world, you can always come back to your old favourites and settle back. And they're the same and it's just comforting. It's like it's like coming home to your mum's stew or watching your favourite film or listening to Nas's Omatic, best album ever. Everyone's got their version, their favourites. Football's like that too. You've got your guys, the players that you go to war for. There's players I would let no slander pass for them because I feel emotionally connected to them. They remind me of a time when I was in love with the game and why I still love it today. That feeling of when a player has entertained every single person watching them when they know they can control the entire crowd. That's an unbreakable bond. When you make that, it's hard to get rid of that from someone. It's the best example. No one's got a purer connection with their fans than Ronaldinho. I talked about him on the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, go and check that one out if you didn't. I think I was, I think I might have been getting onto him there. But Ronaldinho had this aura of ITV Champions League nights. We were all young. If you were between 4 and 12 on a Tuesday or Wednesday night in the winter, you were parked in front of your television because Barcelona were always on TV and you had to watch Ronaldinho. Too mesmerizing. He was bamboozling top level teams. He had a confidence and a swagger. He was. He was arrogant, but in a fun way. Dino made everyone think that they could achieve anything they wanted on the pitch. He wasn't slight or skinny. He wasn't built like a Neymar or Coutinho. Dino was strong, powerful, athletic. So you couldn't bully ball him. You couldn't. The way people kick Neymar today, you can't do that to Dino. He will blitz past you or shove you off it. When he wanted to dance around you, he could. When he wanted to embarrass you, he would. So many of us saw him at his best, and that's why we're defensive and argumentative about him. Because he's our favourite. And we've all got loads of different versions of those. So this week, I want to say, make a team of my favourites. The guys that brought me the same joy, the same connection, the same happiness about football that Ronaldinho did for everyone else in 2006. The guys you go to bat for, you go to war for. I want this starting eleven to be functional, so some guys will miss out due to positional like logic. I can't play everyone. I want if if I had to build this team like most fine, it'd probably have three defenders in it. But they'd even be attacking defenders. Probably all be fullbacks or crazy attacking centre backs, and the rest would be number nines. But I'm going to try and build this team as functional as possible. This would be a monster eleven, right, starting at the back. I'm not sure there's many goalkeepers who really have a connection with fans unless that fan is also a goalkeeper. It's a 
it's a completely different type of job. It takes a different mindset and personality to do it. You're a lunatic. It's an old football phrase that you're a lunatic if you stand in goal and want people to pelt balls at you. So, it's hard to do with a keeper, but I'll find one as well. And as well as that, for me, stats aren't relevant. Do not come to me asking about a single statistic about any of these players. It doesn't matter. When I'm talking about my favourite players, I don't care if you never scored a goal, got an assist in your life. I don't care what your defensive pressures are. I don't care how many dribbles you complete per 90. But like, that's not important to this. And my age is also a factor. I'm 22, so I'm likely to pick players who were great when I was 10 or younger. Because footballers feel like superheroes at that age. So don't be mad because I didn't pick Michelle Platini or whatever. Because yeah, he might have been cool, but I wasn't. I wasn't there. All right, standing six foot three, with the most disgusting tattoo I may have ever seen. Manchester City's Edison Moraes has to be the goalkeeper. He's bridged that connection. The only other person in the running for this position was Manuel Neuer. I think it's because I appreciate the same part of both of their games. They both come out and play ball. They aren't boring on their line, catching throw goalkeepers. That model is a bit archaic now because if your keeper can't ping it 80 yards towards your striker who's standing on his shoulder, then what good is he? The only person who can break that caveat is Edouard Mendy and that's because he is 10 foot tall. But other than that, you have to ball play and Edison's the best. He can do all that catch and throw and stand on the line stuff. And I don't really care about stats, but he's not like your he's not weak in the clean sheet or goalkeeping department. He's just an amazing goalkeeper and would improve almost every team in the world now. He can come out and sling it if you if you're Ilkay Gundogan against Tottenham last season at home. Edison can find you. If you're Leroy Sane or Raheem Sterling standing on the shoulder of the fullback, Edison can find you. If the ball comes out and he needs to step out and play in, in play at centre back and push Laporte or Diaz forward, he's comfortable to do that. And the fact that he got that horrendous tattoo just because he knew he would never be able to get a normal job, so he'd have to be put to play on work just for the self belief alone. Edison's the keeper in the team. All right, at right back, no, at left back. Another Manchester City player, Alexander Kolarov. Yeah, I know, slightly rogue. But in that three-year span where Man City won two titles, I think, 11-12, 12-13 and 13-14, Alexander Kolarov was one of my favourite players in the league. In the 13-14 season, Man City had a bunch of injuries and they had got to the point where everyone had realised that for all the Yaya Torre and Sergio Aguero and David Silva, all that ability they had going forward, the Man City's big issues was the fullbacks. And they had a bunch of injuries and Kolarov had to be the starter. I think Kalishi got hurt and he became Philip Lahm that season because he was covering a bunch of positions. I don't even care if I'm misremembering. It feels like Kolarov played left-back, centre-back, right-back, left wing, central midfield and behind the nine all at various points of games in that season I don't even care if it's true or not it feels like Golarov could cover every position on the pitch and that's because A was tall love a good tall fullback had a hammerhead of a shot, monster shot power like could put a goalkeeper through a net shot power which meant he was effective going forward, he could take free kicks he could defend 1v1 
He could contribute in attack. He had a good cross on him. Physically able. Alexander Kolarov was the man. Go back and watch his... I think I watched his um all his goals for Man City this week as I was prepping for this. Kolarov um, just scored a bunch of free kicks. Like, dead ball, six foot two. Forget it, I'll bend it in the corner. Alexander Kolarov, very, very good fullback. If you don't know, get to know, man. Good guy. Centre-back next to him on the left-hand side. To be a centre-back for me, you've got to do a bit more than last-ditch tackle. Like, respect to Vidic and, and those guys. But to be honest, general defensive stuff, very important. Doesn't really ring my bell. I get you've got to do your job and that, but it's just not as interesting. I want every player to be fun. To do something that makes me want to clap, stand up and go, ooh. Like, I want attacking flair, I want ball playing. I want Sergio Ramos. And there's a point in my life where Ramos was so cool that I was wondering why I was called Sergio and not Sergio. But I'm Nigerian, so I understand how that worked. But he does all that boring defensive stuff well. Physically strong, athletic, aggressive, so he can win interceptions. Him and Pepe as a back two should not be normal. They should both be sent off every game. And it felt like they were at times. But he's so aggressive going for the ball that if you're a striker, you get no peace around Ramos fantastic pass of the ball real sprayer like John Terry level sprayer left foot right foot Ramos can split lines move the ball forward he takes pens he takes free kicks very cool I think if you're in my team you can take free kicks like if you take free kicks in football you might be able to be in this team he's up there with Drogba and Ronaldo as a big game player he's willing to tear off Mo Salah's arm to win the Champions League Scores bullet headers for Real Madrid in cup final. He's like a monster leader. If PSG can get him back to full fitness and have a back four of Hakimi, Ramos, Marquinhos and Nuno Mendes, it's long for the rest of Europe. Ramos slots in on the left-hand side. Now, the person next to him is the less successful but arguably more outrageous, more ridiculous version of Sergio Ramos has to be David Luiz. <laughs> Just for your understanding, I do not mean the Arsenal Luiz. That guy was football's biggest calamity, absolutely catastrophic at the back whenever we needed him to speak calm. But the Chelsea version, after he came back from PSG, when he went on holiday or whatever, that was a player. He is battling current day Antonio Rudiger and peak Laurent Koscielny for this spot. But Luis, I think, is the best. The Conte season it might be the best passer I've ever seen out of a back line. David Luiz could put a football in a bin bag 75 yards up the pitch. He is he's tall. Not very, very uber athletic. Not like a Kimpembe athletic, but you can't really blow past him. Loves a slide tackle. He can drive the ball forward. You've got the sideshow Bob Afro blowing in the wind as he progresses the ball up. Hammerhead shot. Very, very strong in the air. When Conte built the back three after they lost at Arsenal, just to be clear, that's why Conte plays back three. After that, and he made the back three of Luis, Cahill and Aspilicueta. Different levels. That version of David Luiz is the man. Now, right back. Right back's a weak spot for me. Haven't really been captured by a right back to be honest. There's not I haven't had the the player that gives me the oh I have to watch him play. I want to watch him. 
oh, I, I might not like that team and watch them every week, but that guy's playing right back, so I need to watch. There's loads of guys I've liked. Trent, Ivanovic, Joao Cancelo, Bakary Sanyo even, but never did too much for me. The pool that everyone else had with Dani Alves, I felt like I never had that. Alves, I, I think, when I was watching those old Barcelona games at the time, or even when I go back now, he's down the list of me of people I want to watch. I want to watch Messi. I want to watch Busquets. Pedro, by the way. Shout out to Pedro. David Villa. Like, Dani Alves is very, very good, obviously, but he's just not for me. He's, he doesn't get me ticking. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. Move, move Ramos to right back because we used to play there. Especially played there for Spain. And then slide current day Antonio Rudiger into centre back. Monster defender. Absolute. He's like a grim reaper of a defender. He'd been in and out of the team for a while. Never really reached the level he's at now. He was similar to the Arsenal Luis. Like when you needed him, he was off doing something catastrophic. He's caught high up the pitch. He's gone. He, he was like, Antonio Rudiger was like Davidson Sanchez now. But like, you can see he's good, but it's always a mistake. And then the Rudiger that that was born when Thomas Tuchel came in, that is the meanest guy in the league. Too much athleticism. Too much for you to even try and run the ball past him. Don't try any of that pretty footwork stuff around him too, because Rudiger's got fast feet. He can get an interception. He can st- he can jockey you and stand there. You can go crazy, do all the step-overs you want. The second that you make the mistake, he will clatter you to bits. I'm seeing a trend in my defenders, by the way. Ramos, Rudiger, Luis, Kolarov to an extent. They're all very happy, willing to clatter an attacker. Rudiger's also a proper attacking threat. You know from corners. like Right now, you need to have defenders of Dan Byrne, Ben Mee and... Nikola Zigic to stop these three, especially from corners. He can drive the ball high up the pitch. Rudiger in that in that left hand pocket of a back three, mean, real threat from corners, strong leader. I got a very strong back line. Edison, Ramos, Rudiger, Kolarov, average height of six foot three. All of them can attack well. Three out of the five take free kicks. Edison could probably take free kicks if he wanted. They got a mean streak. I've got a good platform here. Now I can build the midfield. I'm playing a 4-2-3-1. So going forward, I need a little bit more discipline in those two DM holes. Obviously, I could, I'd want to build a team of all number nines, but you need some type of balance. Eh, balance, I'm stretching. Anyway, the first of my two DMs is Tottenham's Moussa Dembele. Now, I talked about Dembele a few weeks ago when I made that versatile 11. So, I don't want to go over trodden ground again. I once made all my friends look at me strangely. I think we were watching some Tottenham games. And I said that Tongi and Dembele plays football like someone rapping offbeat. He, he plays football like blue face raps. He doesn't make the move the way you expect him to. The way 90% of people who play football would do which makes him interesting and hard to defend because he doesn't play in your rhythm. Moussa Dembele is the godfather of that. If I played you a Dembele highlight reel and paused it right before he made his move and told you to guess where he went, you'd get it wrong. Every time. 
by far one of the most entertaining players to ever watch. So physically strong, but his technique was out of this world. Ball retention gone crazy. Musa Dembele is on the left-hand side. His partner is my favourite ever Arsenal player. Thierry Henry was very, very cool. Pete Robin Van Persie made me want to be left-footed. <laughs> Jack Walsh are technically brilliant, but Santi Gazzola is by far my favourite. A five foot six central midfield player with the shortest legs ever. Looks like he's in and out of shape depending on the week. Looks like he should have no shot power, possessed about zero athleticism. That guy's playing in the Premier League. Okay. So it's a fair assumption that people like Mark Noble and Fernandinho are going to kick him into the sky and he's going to be out of the game soon. But the thing with Cazola was you couldn't catch him. Couldn't catch him. His centre of gravity was was under the ground, so he could turn on a pinhead, which meant he was evading flying tackles and tall defenders for fun. He's like, he's like a rat. When a rat is bouncing around and you, the person's trying to hit them, you can't catch them. That's what Cazola was like. He's too creative. Wasn't too bad in front of goal. Along with Tony Cross, he's probably the most two-footed player I've ever seen. And I mean two-footed to the point that, like, Cazola was taking left-footed corners and free kicks in Premier League games. He did all that neat and tidy stuff especially well, like buzzing around the middle of the park, a quick one-two, and then Arsenal on the break. Long ball comes over to him from right-hand side to left-hand side, takes it down, plays bang, one-two with the, with the full-back, and he's in down the wing, about to deliver. In and around the edge of the box, quick one-two with Cazorla and someone's through. Like, when I lie awake at night, furious about how we didn't win the league in 2016, it's because people like Santi deserved one. My ultimate no-defending Arsenal team would have RVP, Alexis Sanchez, Cazorla, Meza Ozil, Aaron Ramsey, and Jack Wilshere in it, and put Abu Dhabi in there as well. Obviously, there's no pace in that team. And they would get absolutely steamrolled defensively. But who cares when you play the prettiest football in the world? Santi Gazzola and Moussa Dembele is that midfield too. And I'm not losing the ball in there. People were close that missed out. Um, N'Golo Conte could have filled in a central midfield spot. Bastian Schweinsteiger could have filled that spot. Xabi Alonso wouldn't have been far. But Dembele and Gazzola is a level above. Right now, the attacking trio, the hub of the team, which puts the ball on a plate for my striker. Now, I don't need to worry about any defensive work in here because I've got that back four. Edison's playing sweeper-keeper. Dembele's doing defensive work because all is buzzing around and making tackles and interceptions, not doing too much. So these three, I can let them go and create. And for that, I need unreal creativity, like immaculate ball control, world-class passing, the ability to rotate around each other. I need three people that when the game is on the line and they get the ball at the top of the box, they can make something happen. My attacking three, I think they're the best at that. I've got Meza Ozil, David Silva, and Ronaldinho. Now, I shouldn't have to explain anything about these guys. It, shouldn't be, it should just be logical. You hear me say those names and you go, fair, can't argue with it. But just in case you want an explanation, I'll break it down. Meza Urza was the best attacking passer of this generation. I think he's the best. And he has a sense of vision that is unparalleled. 
then the ball comes into the pocket and it's in Ozil's feet and it's controlled on his left foot on the half turn, game's over. He could find a killer pass and a phone booth. The sense of ball control, the timing, the movement, it's out of this world. He makes the pass that you at home can't see. Of all the passes available to the creative midfield player, Ozil makes the one you don't think is possible. Oh, the gap's too tight. Ozil can play it. If he needs to drop the shoulder and take a half second and an extra half second and an extra half second to make sure that the defender is committed just enough that he can get around the corner, he will do. There's a Everyone will have seen it. It's one of the greatest goals in Arsenal history. It's not in the Premier League, it's in the Champions League. Arsenal are playing against... Arsenal playing against, I want to say Juventus. I don't think it actually is Juventus. It's a team in black and white. Anyway, Burkamp is, is on the ball at the, top of the, at the top of the box. And there's a goal where he controls it and he chops inside. He's looking for Lundberg to make the run. Lundberg hasn't made it yet. So he, he spins around, he chops outside again. He's holding off the defender. He looks, it's not quite ready for Lundberg yet. Comes back inside and spins outside again. Lundberg's finally committed. Flicks it with the outside of his right boot. Lundberg's through one-on-one and he scores. It's in the Champions League. Mesut Ozil is one of those players. He won't play it until it's absolutely ready. And the goal... You know what? He's in this team just for the goal against Ludogorets. I don't care if it was against Ludogorets. That goal right there is... I'm not going to put this in the net until I'm absolutely ready. Meza Ozil, man, different level. And Olivier Giroud has blood on his hands because Ozil should have obliterated Henri's 20 assist record. Ozil had 19 assists by January and then Giroud just decided he's never going to score against. Missed chance after chance. Obviously, it didn't end well at Arsenal with Ozil because his contract was a bit of an albatross, whatever. But don't use that to forget peak Meza. Different calibre. And if there's anyone that can rival him as the best creator for this generation, for me, David Silva is right up there. <laughs> Silva is uh, not hypocritical. He's like a he's like a diametrically opposed person. He seems to be one of the nicest, kindest guys off the football pitch. But then on it, he will stamp, clamp trip kick anyone around him for an inch he seems to be the definition of a luxury player someone that does his best work when he's got time on the ball and wants to be a bit higher up closer to the nine but he's one of the hardest working players on the pitch and puts miles in Davosova had this ability when he had the ball to look like he was floating and this is what I mean by that Pep Guardiola has one of these things in one of his books where he explains about speed in football so there's three different types of speed in football and they're not all as good as each other. The worst one is physical speed, the type that Theo Walcott has, when you can burst past someone. It doesn't take, it's important, but it doesn't take that much brain power to burst past someone. The next is technical speed. Where your technique is so on point that you don't have to waste any time when the ball comes to you. So you can get into your move as quick as possible. That's like, but... Riyad Mahrez is probably the best at that. Maybe even Iron Robin. When the ball comes over to Mahrez, he takes the touch and his touch is always good enough that he can go straight into his attack of the fullback. 
He doesn't have to take a touch and then re-control it and then re-control it and then get into his move. Then there's the best type of speed, which is speed of thought. You see the game faster than anyone else. You get to the position you need to be in quicker than anyone else because they haven't seen it yet. I don't know when this book came out. When this book came out, he had just finished his first season at Bayern Munich. And at the time, he said Philip Lahm was the best at that. But David Silva is right up there. He floats because he thinks the game faster than anyone else. He never looks like he's busting a lung because he's always in the correct position. There's a game, random Manchester City game. I went back and I rewatched it today because I knew it. You know that thing when you remember something about a game but you just want to double check that you're right and you're not just lying? City lined up in a 4-2-3-1. It's away at Crystal Palace at Selhurst in April 2019. City line up in a 4-2-3-1 with the front four of Sane, Silva and Sterling and Sergio Aguero at 9. Right? Now this is back in the days that Aaron Wan-Bissaka is at Crystal Palace and he's one of the hottest defensive prospects in the world. He's He is the bedrock of Palace's defence and if you can get past Wan-Bissaka and make his life hard, he can get at Palace, okay? So Pep does this thing that he did. He did it at Bayern Munich as well when they played against Arsenal. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen. Where he plays two left wingers in a game. So he played Silva on the inside, just inverted of Van Bissaka, and plays Sane on the outside of him. Then Manchester City funnel the ball left all game long. Aaron Van Bissaka has absolutely no clue what to do. It's a bloodbath. He's lost in the source at all times. Silva is constantly getting inside him on the pocket. So if Sane gets the ball, he can spin Silva down the side. If Silva gets the ball and Wan-Bissaka comes to him, he can play the ball to Sane. Sane can deliver. If he if he decides to go with one, they'll give the ball to the other. And that's because Silva's move is so tricky. Wan-Bissaka can't leave him. With Bayern, he did it with Douglas Costa and Iron Robin against Hector Bellerin. And yeah, you know that clip of when... Douglas Costa um, scoops the ball inside Bellerin's legs. It's, it's that game. It's long. In his first couple seasons at Man City, the early ones, David Silva would sacrifice and play on the wing. It's particularly the left wing and still be just as creative. Always hits 10 assists in the season, it feels like. Always chips in with a couple goals. Plays the extra pass. If Silva has 90% chance to score, you'll play the extra pass across the box for 95% for someone else. It feels like constantly he had the move of Silva picks up the ball on the left, drives inside, plays a 1-2 either with a fullback or with a central midfield player, gets played back down the byline, squares it across. Raheem Sterling, Leroy Sane, Sergio Aguero, Kevin De Bruyne are queuing up to finish it. One of the very best and every single manager who had to scheme for him must have known how much of a problem David Silva was. The next man is Ronaldinho. Um, I said a little bit about him, about him at the beginning. What else really is there much to say about Dino? An absolute football alien. Um, one of the best players to ever play. Probably the internet or modern day football fans' favourite ever player. Makes you feel like you want to go outside and get a ball straight away. Not many players make you feel like that. Ronaldinho made you want to go and get the ball. 
He made you want to go do step overs, do flip flaps, have fun, smile. He looked like he was the way I sort of like in the park is what Dino was at at the new camp in Champions League games. At his very best, he's the best player in the world. His peak is shorter than you think it is. But that's because he was also having a lot of fun off the pitch as well. So, shout out to him. But, no, Ronaldinho is one of those guys that's good in any area. He could be 95 years old and everyone will love him to death. Different calibre of player, man. Different calibre. And finally, I got to the nine in this team. To recap, this is the squad right now. Edison in goal. I got Ramos at right back. Rudiger and David Luiz at centre back. Alexander Kolarov at left back. Two man midfield of Santi Gazzola and Musa Dembele. Front three of or front three behind the striker of David Silva, Meza Urzo, and Ronaldinho. I've got Urzo in the middle. Dino on the left. Silver on the right coming inside. So he can play a lot of reverse passes. Up front. He's had a bad season. But I'm sticking with him. Romelu Lukaku has to be the nine in this team. Lukaku is... Ah, oh, he's had a bad season. He's absolutely killed me. <laughs> this is coming off a week where he had seven touches in a game. However, you, you don't don't I can't hate now. I can't I have to back him. Lukaku is the most fun striker and so destructive when a manager gets the best out of him. When you play him in the right system, use him as someone to get in behind, play off the shoulder. That's why for Belgium, the best version of Lukaku is is when he's playing for Belgium and Kevin De Bruyne is behind him because De Bruyne just reads where Lukaku wants to go. He has the he has two killer runs. He either starts in the centre directly against the centre back, fakes to go like he's going right, then peels off and goes left hand side and goes wide and is looking for like a. A whipped cross over a back four for him to touch and finish a cross goal. Or starts in the same position, drops left, peels right and goes tight. And he's looking for a reverse pass or a slip pass through so he can take one extra touch on his left hand on his left foot and bend it in the bottom far left corner. Lukaku is mean when he's on form, man. He's a bully. Too strong, too athletic, but his touch is tight. He can play around corners. He, he can combine well with midfielders. That's why I think he'd be amazing in this team. If you've got Urzil or Dino running off a Lukaku reverse pass or whatever, crazy. David Silva's squaring it across the box. Lukaku's going to eat 25-30 times a season. Kolarov spinning down the left-hand side and delivering. Lukaku's a monster in the air. You can use him as a target man, but you shouldn't. Using him as a target man is like... It's like... Oh God, I can't even think. It's like using... I don't know, Ollie Watkins as a target man. You can do it, but what's the point? You're not, you're not getting the best out of him. Use him as a man who is who is getting right at a back four. He's playing right on the shoulder. He, You should play Lukaku like you play Jamie Vardy. That's how you get the best out of him. Especially in a two-man. 
Playing in a two-man with someone who's comfortable to drop in the hole. Hello, Thomas Tuchel, can you please play 4-4-2 or 3-5-2 with Havertz and Lukaku up front? Please, please, it's not that hard. When he's at his best, Lukaku is is a killer nine. He's not he's not a, an A-grade striker, but he's like a B++++. And by far is my favourite nine. There are loads of people who missed out who could have made this team. Um, Iron Robin on a different day would have been, probably would have taken, I don't know, I would have played him at left back. I would have cheated or something. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, could have made the team. Tony Cross would have been close. Um, Sergio Aguero would have been very close. But right now, this is my team of the guys who like, I find myself going to watch your highlights. I find myself watching games because of you. I find myself early last season watching Real Sociedad games because I wanted to see David Silva play, even though he's 90 years old. And now I never would have watched a Qatar game, but Santi Gazzola, when he's at Villarreal and he's just back having fun, ah, different level. By the way, Fernando Torres could have made this team easy for that two-year stint where he gave Vidic nightmares. But this is my list of the guys that, that are my favourites bringing joy to the game. Um, Hatem Ben Arfa, very close. <laughs> um, thanks for all your support. 35 episodes is mad. Um, this was just something for me to pass time with when I finished uni. And now like I'm glad it's a regular thing. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I don't care if there's a million listeners or no listeners. It's like just fun to get to get out there and talking about ball. And this is stuff I would be saying to myself or saying in my brain all day. So glad to get it out. Um, as I say every week, tell your tell your postman, share it with him on his route. Tell your Amazon driver when he comes to drop a delivery to you, put him onto the podcast. Um, when you're writing a review for a restaurant, drop it on Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> do whatever um, I'll see you guys next week peace oh wait 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 wait, wait. Um, just finished recording check this is actually episode 36 <laughs> um, so you're not wrong I'm wrong big three six episodes um, still the same energy shout out I'm very proud of myself peace